welcome back. It's Kate from Zen Stitching and we've got another of our super exciting and inspiring artist interviews with artists who are taking or who are teaching us fun things at the Making Zen online retreat. So this afternoon I'm joining Cat Waters who is also known as Cat Maid and she makes all kinds of really super awesome things. She's an incredibly inspiring creator. I'm just going to see if I can get to, to join us and um, Kat's going to be teaching us uh, tambour embroidery which I'm so excited about. Hello, Hello. Good, how, are you? how are you? Oh really awesome. I was just telling everyone about the amazing um, thing you're going to be teaching it as part of the Making Zen yeah, online retreat. Really and I'm so excited. to be participating this year. <laughs> why? Well, one of the reasons why I think this is so exciting is because I think it's one of those, it's a technique that maybe isn't mainstream in the sense that it's, it's very bespoke. Like you say, um, in your workshop, mm. it's uh, more for say couture. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely had a hard of... time finding it when I was learning tambour embroidery in 2017, which seems like a million years ago now. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't, certainly wasn't well known now, then. I think it's a little bit more well known now, but uh, we're on a mission to change it. We're on a mission to put it in everyone's hands, I suppose, because I just, <laughs> I find it so much fun. It's so enjoyable and I, it's, it's more accessible, I think, than people think it is. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And because um, as I was watching along, and I love how you describe mm. your whole creative process from yeah. was it 2016 when you said that that's when you yep. decided that you were going to own uh, Well, I've been so clothes. I've been sewing for as long as I can remember. Uh, I like to say since my feet could reach the pedal on a sewing machine. Um, my mom was a quilter, so it was kind of it was just always happening. Um, so I had been sewing some things before that, but in 2016, I stopped buying things from stores. I stopped buying ready-to-wear and switched over to a completely uh, homemade wardrobe, completely me-made wardrobe. Wow, that's fabulous. So that kind of is so inspiring because that's something that I'd like to do and I'm sure a lot of other people also aspire mm -hmm. to do a, a similar thing. So I'm so curious, do you have like, let's see, a multitude of different yeah. patterns and clothes or do you have a few patterns that you Both. really like and you create them? <laughs> Both is the answer to that question. <laughs> um, I, so I pattern draft as well. I draft not everything but maybe I don't know 70% of what I make uh, is my own drafts. I see something out in the world that I like uh, and I, I recreate it with my own things that I know that I need in there like bigger pockets and longer legs and all of that stuff. Um, but, uh, so pattern, pattern drafting is really important because it gives me the control that I like to have over everything that I'm making. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I land on something that's really, really good, I have one particular draft that's, I call it my vacation dad draft. It's like a camp style shirt with, you know, like a tropical dad shirt is basically like the vibe. I've made that 11, yeah. 12 times and I love them all. Uh, and, and so, and, and I wear them all the time. They're like, that, that's the shirt I live in over the summer. Um, but there's a lot, yeah. there, like I, there, there's a lot of things that I wear, make repeatedly if I like them, but um, I'm all about finding new styles and new things to try. I just love learning new stuff. So if there's a new technique that I can work into a garment somehow, 
Um, I'm all about that life. That's amazing. I'm, my mind is racing to keep up with all of the all of that. That's our pattern yeah. drafting. Wow. So was that um, was that a skill you had prior to deciding that you were going to make all your own clothes, or was that a skill you decided that you needed, I needed to it. develop? I needed it a lot because you wanted to do um, that. So in the timeline of things, I yeah. managed to take one semester of pattern drafting um, while I was at university. Um, so I was already well and truly sewing at that point, and I was running into this problem of like the patterns don't have what I need and um, uh, pattern drafting, which I actually took through the costuming department. It wasn't a fashion related thing, um, which is a really fascinating, there's a really fascinating difference between people who learn sewing and costume versus people who learn sewing and fashion. Like it's a very different sort of skill set. Mm -hmm. I never learned grading, for example, because in, in fashion, you're grading your patterns or you're grading like whatever into sizes. Um, and in costuming for theater, which is uh -huh. the context where I took that pattern drafting class, it is all drafted for the body. Sizes don't exist. Um, so, so I don't have that. I mean, I, I know a little bit about it, what I've learned online, but that wasn't part of the course. Um, but that frames the way that I yeah. learn. So I have no idea what size I am. I'm I'm the set of measurements that makes the clothes that I make work for me. But I don't know. I don't know what size I am in like you know ready to wear sizing anymore. No, I don't think many of us well, do sure. because it and changes then, from yes. country to country and from. <laughs> and that's another big problem. <laughs> exactly. It seriously is. I I get confused. I I've forgotten, and because I right. kind of alternate between Canada, which has its own system, and Australia, which has its own system, and then I was in the UK for a bit, which has its own system. So these days, I just kind of <laughs> hope enough. for the best and try it on, and keep my fingers crossed. But I do love that you you say that you don't know your size because I think that's mm. such a strong it statement. Yeah, because it is. I I think it really is because mm. for a lot of people that number matters, and I don't. Yeah, I don't think it should. I don't feel like I'm um, in a position. I mean, yeah. so I've I had problems fitting into. Um, I had problems fitting into ready to wear, which was one of the determining factors for me deciding to make my own clothes. Mm -hmm. My problems were always vertical. I grew up so fast and I was, you know, six feet tall in middle school kind of situation. Um, and I, nothing fit. It was flood pants and like three quarter length sleeves. And that was basically all that I had available to me. So I understand it from that angle, but I was, I'm a straight sized individual. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people that have so many bigger problems finding clothes that fit them than I ever did. Um, mm. And it's the system is terrible in the way that it works, and one size fits none, and all of that. But um, I don't. There's a lot of there is a lot of power in sewing your own clothes for a lot of different reasons. I think so, exactly. And one of one of them, um, I think, is the ability to mm. create for yourself using materials that you like, colors that you like, and um, even just that kind of that. Even if you don't have a, a vast okay. knowledge of how to um, change a pattern to fit you, at least you can kind of like know to yeah. maybe pull it in you at the waist or let it out at the hips know or where that you what, don't what like you things to do. Touching your armpits and lower them or lower the neckline or make the neckline higher <laughs> if that's your, you know, all of those things are available, which is, I think, yeah, really good. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is. 
is like you say i never really thought of it like that but it is it it gives you power to to create things that you feel comfortable in and that is so important to be able to to feel comfortable because if you feel comfortable in your Mm. clothes which should be a second skin (laughs) ah that's amazing just thinking as i'm touching this so this is a top that i made um using zero waste Mm -hmm. models of pattern is that something that you've I like to explore things and some of the things stick and some of them don't. Uh, zero waste wasn't really one that stuck for me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, I think it's good to explore the things because like you say, there are things mm-hmm. that you enjoy working with and then yep. there are things that you can say, yep, been there, done that. And it's not for me. Mm. What, what do I like working with? So Mm, yeah it's um because there are so many ways that we can take our creativity as well you know like we don't have to just Mm. fit into this one area or another and going back to um what you're teaching Mm -hmm. which is the timbre got a little sidetracked there (laughs) on a bit of a tangent yeah i I know because i just find it fascinating i know you also knit like a crazy person so sewing of course and specifically within sewing i really enjoy tailoring um i taught myself to make shoes so i do shoemaking as part of this whole make my own clothes process wow. uh my mom actually crocheted so she taught me to crochet when i was very little um, but i wanted to learn to knit the whole time it took me a very long time to find someone this was before the internet to find someone that could teach me how to knit so i'm, I'm a very proud knitter since I found a friend, made a friend in fifth grade that would teach me how to knit because her mom knew how to knit. So <laughs> I've been, oh, I have so been cool. collecting skills like that my whole life. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, chamber embroidery <laughs> is more recent and uh, I'm very passionate about that for sure. Yeah, yeah. And well, I just, I'm fascinated by it because I guess um, the tambour embroidery that I'm familiar with takes me back to a couple of very beautiful, beautifully beaded um, dresses that I bought from a thrift store probably when I was, oh, I don't know, in my early teens. And I just thought they were so glamorous. And I bought them for the beads alone. And so I kind of looked at how it was put together, but I had no understanding or realisation that it was actually done using a tiny little hook. But you figured out how quickly they unravel. So, <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the not yeah, so fun part. There's a couple little knotting stitches and tricks you can keep things from unraveling, but um, but yes, that's the the, the mm. problem with it. Well, problem problem is a strong word. One of the issues with the chain stitch is that it does come apart very easily in one direction, so you have to watch yeah. for that. <laughs> that's smart though like you say doing a couple like a special stitch or not to to stop it from coming undone um i'm super excited to give this a go myself so i i didn't realize that you needed to have like a little hook and all those kind of things so for people who are say watching your workshop and going to be introduced to tambour embroidery for the first time and they're (laughs) itching to get started two things actually what would you recommend they look for when they yeah. go to buy mm. a hook or the 
what kind of okay so there's themes? a couple of things that are important about the tambour embroidery hook and i also just last week have started publishing my uh, youtube series on learning tambour embroidery so they can hop over there um, there's a video up about all the supplies that you need uh -huh. and a little bit of that is echoed in my makings and uh, workshop but if they want the dirty details ahead of time they can hop over there uh, and see also if you sign up for the makings and workshop there's a supply list which is handy but for the tambour embroidery specifically because that's kind mm -hmm. of the one thing like there's a there you can fall down the rabbit hole i have an actual literal bookcase in my room full of tambour embroidery supplies like specifically um but as far as getting started the only wow. like really specialist tool that you need is the tambour embroidery hook um i have not mm -hmm. purchased the one that's on amazon i know there are some um i've had some people message and say that they've had great success with theirs and other people message to say that they ended up with burrs on their needles um which is a problem so uh -huh. i would probably stay away from amazon unless you don't have any other uh, options um i have heard and this, i'm a little inconvenienced here because i live in new zealand so my supply lists and resources are not helpful to people in the states but i have also heard that the Lasis, uh, which is spelled L-A-C-I-S, the Lasis brand tambour embroidery hook is available at Joanne Fabrics, and you can use a coupon. Um, so if you're, uh, there's a lot of them online, like Etsy is a really good source for tambour embroidery hooks. Um, and, uh, but if you're like last minute, holy heck, I need this for, my workshop is on Wednesday next week. So if you really need it for that, um, and there's a Joanne Fabrics in your area, then you can check that out. Um, and the Lasis is a good, reputable brand. Um, the thing to look for in general, if you are shopping online, is um, the hook size. So generally with a tambour embroidery hook, you get uh, mm -hmm. the handle, which is one moment collar. There we go. Oh, I picked a bad one. That's okay. So the handle is the little wooden bit, and then it's got this little brass uh, end on it with a little knob, and then there's a needle in the end of that. And that needle, mm -hmm. as we've mentioned, is actually a teeny tiny little hook. It's a crochet hook the size of a sewing needle, basically. Um, and fun fact, it is actually used as a sewing machine needle for a particular type of machine. Um, we can talk more about that later. Um, but the thing to look for with the hook is the sizing <laughs> of the hooks. Um, and because the hooks are sized as sewing machine needles, they follow that, that pattern. Um, so the smallest size is a 70 and the largest size is 120 and they go up in increments of 10. So 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, 120. Mm -hmm. That's the range of sizes. Um, I think that if you're focusing on the beadwork side of things, you want to get the smaller range of needles. If you're thinking you want to do more sort of decorative threads, silk threads, metallics, those kinds of things. Um, there's some really beautiful uh, timbre work that uses just threads, no beads. I'm a big bead person, so like I skew smaller. But if you're looking at the decorative thread sides, you skew towards the larger end. Um, and generally those kits will say, uh, if you're getting it from a reputable source, not Amazon, those kits will say what size needles are included with your handle. Okay. Oh, that's really helpful. Thank yeah. you. Cause I, I had a Over quick look well. online and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a lot more, like, there's a lot more detail you can get into, but as far as just starting out, um, that is the one thing that you should need to buy. Like I, I talk about in my video, I talk about using a hoop instead of a slate frame. I have a slate frame. That was a whole mission to like get sorted in this country because they weren't available at the time. Um, so I had to make my own and all of this stuff. So, but yeah, if you, if you get your hands on the hook, you'll be good to go. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that's really helpful. And so the other thing too that I noticed when I was looking online, Clover ah, no, had. Don't uh, get that. It looked like that, but it had the lacky thing. Uh, don't get they that. Call it a K 
Canton, Canton embroidery. It's like a teeny tiny little latch yes. hook. Um, I got one of those yes. as a precursor to learning tambour embroidery in 2017. I saw it and I was like, this looks like what I need. Um, the, the, <laughs> I again, hesitate to use the word problem because all things have, everything has a use, right? Um, the, the mm -hmm. downfall of the clover Canton hook is that because that end is so large, you need a very loose weave of fabric to get it through and get it back up again without damaging the fabric. Um, and I've not yet found, I mean, you're talking on the order of like a large, a large tool, but tools like that tend to rip on the uptake again. And by the time you're doing that, the beads are no longer sitting on the face of the fabric. They're getting pulled through to the back of the fabric. Um, and it is a good, like the, the system is designed because that little latch hook has the little, it's a, like a hook like that. And it's got this little piece that opens and closes, right? And that makes sense because you're less likely to snag your mm -hmm. fabric. So I can see why it's an appealing tool, but you can do that with a timber embroidery hook if you learn the method and then you are not nearly so limited in the fabrics that you can choose as you are with the Clover Canton hook. Um, I should say you guys in the comments, like you can, or in the, in the, that are watching, you guys can ask questions. Like that's a great opportunity for questions. Please do. Yes, um, absolutely. Yes, please do. And we're yeah. so thrilled that everybody's um, joining. But yeah, there's a, there's a trick with the hook because the, the hook that you're using with tambour embroidery is open. So it is possible and people do when they're learning. I certainly did when I was learning snag the fabric, um, which wouldn't, you wouldn't have that problem with the Canton hook, but there, there's a technique that'll make that not happen and it's okay and you just have to learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. interesting because it's quite mesmerizing yeah. watching you do it because you, you kind of start a rhythm and um, mm. it looked second nature. It is. So I'm guessing no. it is. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I learned in 2017. My very first project was my wedding dress. I had over 300 hours of embroidery in the wedding dress alone. Um, I zipped right into another one that was really intense. So it was a fully beaded bodice. Uh, and I've done a solid handful since then. Um, so it is, it is very much, you know, like when you learn to knit or if you do you knit, you knit. Yes. There you go. When you oh, learn, yeah. remember, think back to yeah. the first stitches <laughs> that when somebody was standing over your shoulder and then you go over the needle and then you, and you're trying to use your needle to scoop it around and get that thread and everything's just a tangled mess. And I mean, I, that was me and I was fifth grade when I learned to knit. So, mm -hmm. Um, but those, yeah. those motions that you have to make with timber embroidery, it's a really particular twisting motion, um, and then a pull and tension on the lower thread. There's a lot of stuff going on and it is, it is not like, um, I say, I say that it's like a crochet hook all the time, but as far as a person learning the motions, it is unlike anything else you will have done before. And so you have to train your brain. Uh, to do those motions in that order in that way. And once your brain understands, and it is not your conscious yeah. brain that is doing that work. It is that it's the muscle memory uh, processing. And I say that because I, when I was learning, I would get frustrated. I have to put it down and come back and be really surprised at the progress that I had made while I was like away having lunch or sleeping, you know? Um, but once my, once my yes. brain figured yes. out those motions and once your brain figures out those motions, uh, it does become very relaxing and very meditative and it is sort of, I put on, I put on television, I'm not usually watching it, but I put on something I can listen to and it is just a really nice little evening spent uh, in front of my embroidery frame. It's a lovely uh, That's so wonderful. And um, I'm just kind of imagining you sitting in front of the TV and your hands are working away and you're listening to what's going on. 
So I guess probably documentaries aren't a good thing to do no, whilst doing oh, that because like, you can't watch. I like nature documentaries. I always find that my anyway. cats really like nature <laughs> documentaries too. So there's that. Um, but uh, no, I, I like, um, yeah. as terrible as it sounds, I really enjoy those uh, uh, crime procedural dramas that always have the same beginning, middle, end. And it's always the, the same cast of characters and exactly the same stuff happens. And it's kind of predictable. And you can, you can listen to that instead of watching while you embroider. <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer oh, the British style the or above. the American style? <laughs> all of the above. Oh, I, we it's have a question. Good. Hang on. Yeah. Have some arthritis issues. Yes, Does do. the technique have a negative the effect? I think this is different for everyone. So I have some tendonitis problems, specifically in my thumbs. Um, and I will sometimes, I have uh, these little guys called ring splints that I wear on my thumbs sometimes if I'm going to be embroidering for a long period of time. But it so depends on what joints are affected. Um, I would say if you have a hard time writing for a long period of time, like with a pencil, the old fashioned way, um, you might have a problem. Um, I particularly with my issues have a little bit of a problem with crochet, but not knitting. Uh, and then the timber embroidery lives like somewhere in between. Um, but, uh, it's so individual. You can't, you can't say one or the other as far as whether it's going to affect you. Um, I will say the other thing that happened while I was learning is that I was so focused and you get you get sort of tense when you're focused on something teeny tiny and I'm trying to just get the thing to come up through the, the fabric without snagging and it carried up into my shoulders and I ended up with some like neck pain. So like stop and stretch is the thing. Um, but I, I don't I don't know if I can oh, yes. help you specifically with the, the arthritis problem other than other than um, testing it out and seeing if it works for you. Uh, but definitely like stop it and you're going to be looking down at your embroidery hoop like this so like look up occasionally look around take a lap around your house you know all of those and that helps that helps your brain learn as well <laughs> exactly yeah. not to mention the looking yeah. close up and then looking far so that your eyes relax and stretch and all that kind of stuff too because i'm sure we're all very guilty of it when we get stuck in a project that was just like oh, just you probably are like just yeah, one more I, bead I, just one more bead chronically let me just, <laughs> just finish this bead. section <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um kat do you have any examples there of the tambour embroidery we've got um one question oh, came in asking what we were talking about so yeah. it's, it's tambour embroidery which is um, a beading technique and an embroidery technique. And Kat does the most exquisite I'll, I'll tell um, you guys a secret since you're watching. A lot of my pieces right now are away in the States being photographed for a magazine, um, so, which is very exciting. I'm not going to give you any other information other than that. Follow me and keep an eye on the account if you want to know what's going to happen with that. Um, but I have a couple things. I only have uh, three here. Um, everything else is pretty much on holiday. So this is one of the samples. Oh, look. Yeah. Yes, I recognize that yeah, pattern. So yeah, I, I wanted to blue. prove that you can do it and make it not look like a wedding accessory. This is the one that I actually did for the video. Um, so that's the same. Yeah. And that's so pretty to design. Do. I love um, it. And that's what you can make in my chamber embroidery workshop if you'd like. And then the other thing I've got, so that's small scale. The other thing I've got is my one that I'm currently working on, which is a little cape project um, currently in the frame. There we go. So that's that guy. <laughs> oh, that's wow. my special frame. So that's the special frame. You can frame. see the beginnings of that with some yeah. uh, 
sequins <laughs> and then I've got all my rows of beads and it's going to be a whole so that's like individual like peacock feather is this inspiration that we have to pretend the peacocks are purple because that's my favorite color um but yeah so that's going to have what was the math something like 20 feathers all the way around a cape sort of situation we've only just started that one oh, yeah so that's really exciting yeah. Oh, yeah um we have a question coming in about where do you find your material and i'm also interested going back to your um mm. what you're mm -hmm. just working on the peak hair peacock cape are these commissions or you just choose uh, to make them i don't do this for to. money <laughs> Uh, it's terrible. It's a terrible business <laughs> model. The business model is I just do what I want and post it on the internet. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. That's a pretty um, good thing I, if you ask me. Yeah, so two, yes. so two parts there. Um, where do I get my materials? They come from everywhere. Um, I prefer um, organza for embroidering on, specifically silk organza, and I get that locally from a place called The Fabric mm -hmm. Store. Um, you can buy organza online. I love organza for learning. I'll always recommend that for learning because you can stretch the ever-loving daylights out of it and it won't pucker when you take it then off the frame. Um, you'll see a lot of people doing tambour embroidery on tool, uh, which is also great. Like tool is a really solid um, option for tambour embroidery, especially if you're going to then take it and treat it as an applique because tool does not unravel like organza does. Um, but tool tends to stretch and it tends to stretch more in one direction than it does in the other direction. So you, what you end up doing is stretching it onto your hoop or into your frame. And then when you take it off, it goes right. And it unstretches because it was stretched when you put it in there uh, and you end up with this like puckering around the edge of your embroidery, um, which is like, it's possible to avoid. I don't think it's possible to avoid when you're a beginner and you don't know what to look out for. So I recommend tool later on in your timber embroidery process. Um, we already talked about the timber embroidery hook. I get a lot of my beads, almost all of my beads from the US, even though I'm in New Zealand. Uh, they actually come from the Czech Republic and they, uh, the Czech Republic supplier will not uh, sell to me directly because I'm an individual, not a business. So then they get sold to businesses in the US and I get them sent back to New Zealand, uh, such as the way of the world. Um, sequins and little jewels and stuff I usually get on Etsy. Um, and I think that's about everything that I embroider with. Um, if you have the materials question if you had a specific question about where something came from let us know and I can tell you uh, we do not gatekeep in these parts <laughs> uh, and then the other question was uh, do I work on commissions I, I I really I like to follow my little 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 like brain forward with what I work on so like the peacock cape as an example I just want that I just want to make it uh, it was there was a little bit of challenge in the drafting hello from New Zealand hello also in New Zealand it's early here um, <laughs> I was eight How when I started. Is it's it, by the way? In the morning now, but it's tomorrow. I, I, I've I've woken up on your tomorrow. That's the that's the confusing part. Uh, oh yeah. Yes, I'm in the future. You're in the future. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I work on stuff because I enjoy the the projects that I've picked. I I make whatever I want to make. Um, and uh, sometimes maybe sometimes maybe I might do a commission if it fits the this is something I want to follow sort of thing. I have a full-time mm -hmm. job. I don't do this for, for work at all. Um, I, yeah, no, it is. Which is nice, That's though. Not, that it, kind of it takes, does. The it takes the pressure off, yeah. and it means that I can just work on things that I want to work on. And the benefit from, like, a sharing perspective, right, is that I am really passionate about everything that I post on, like, you know, Instagram. I'm over on TikTok as well. Um, but I, like, 
I just love to be here and I love to share the content and I love to, especially in the context of tambour embroidery, like I didn't know, it took me so long to figure out what tambour embroidery was, like what the words were that I needed to put into the Google to find what I was looking for. Um, and I know there's people out there that are yeah. thinking the same thing and I just really want to put the, the capability into people's hands and help them understand that like it is possible to do this beautiful ornate beadwork in your second bedroom. It is possible to make shoes in your kitchen. I've done it. Um, you know, like you can, you, you have the capacity with your hands to build pretty much anything you want. Uh, and I think we get, I think we get hung up on not being good enough a lot. Uh, and I don't think that that's actually a thing. <laughs> and I think the other thing too is just even being aware that you have the mm. potential and the ability yeah. to do so and like, everything's connected I'm sure all of these little you know things, like and i find it yeah. all the time but all of these little hobbies the, if you're anybody who knits right you know that anybody who knits and sews knows that there's a connection between um knitting and sewing and the way that knit fabric is made right and how that can sort of it, it informs the way that you mm -hmm. sew if you also knit and i there are so many of those little things um, that, that pull these little connections through all of our sewing and creative practices, whatever they are. There's some in, um, uh, there's like watercolor that pulls through to the way that fabrics are dyed sort of stuff as well. Like it all is just, everything's connected. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it, it totally is. And I think that's what makes it really exciting. So sometimes it, you just need that little extra spark that makes you go, oh, Okay, well, I can make shoes in my kitchen Why then. Not? What, what do I need to do? Ventilation next? is what you need. <laughs> well, you've got me. Yeah, you got me inspired now. So I'm like, hmm, I think I have to make some shoes in my kitchen. <laughs> I love it. We have some um, comments coming in about um, uh, SL Hughes, I think, yep. is looking forward okay. to learning about your process. And a question came. I know, which is super fun. And they, you're going to have a ball. Like, I tell you what, fingers are itching already to, to learn and try the process. And another question came in earlier too, whilst you were chatting, um, was uh, someone based in the UK was wondering if they could buy the Czech beads um, in the UK rather uh, than having um, to go to the Potentially. States. I've looked a little bit in the UK and the context, context of me shipping is not great. It's easier for me to get them from the US. Um, but mm -hmm. what you, so the brand to look for is Preciosa. Um, and I like them because, one moment, caller. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. I like them because they come pretty strong, um, which makes it really easy when you're doing embroidery work. So they come on, this is called a hank of seed beads. I'll get closer so you can see them there. They're all tied in this little string at the top. Um, and I prefer this format because it means that I don't have to string them myself. Um, also on the balance, this is getting super technical, but on balance, Czech beads as opposed to uh, Japanese beads are slightly less uniform, um, but, and therefore less expensive. And we don't need super uniform when we're doing embroidery work because the beads are not going to be stacked together like little bricks like you have when you're doing bead weaving. People who do bead weaving, brands like Miyuki, mm. uh, Toho a little bit as well, really beautiful beads. Um, but you pay the same prices per 10 grams that I'm paying per like, you know, 50 or 60 grams. 
uh, and it's not it's not uh, feasible for us. And also the benefit that you get from that is not worth the cost in that instance. It would be if I was doing bead weaving stuff, but in the context of your embroidery, Preciosa mm -hmm. is really good. You get this little, I love the texture as well. I love the little, um, the little variations in the sizes of the beads and they catch the light differently and it's beautiful. Um, if for the context of this class and for the context of learning, if all you can find is loose beads, that is fine. You can string them. It's okay. It's just when you're working on something like that peacock cape I showed you earlier. Uh, I'll be around for a million years just stringing beads before I even get to embroider if I don't find them pretty strong. <laughs> <laughs> well, it blew my yeah. mind when I saw that you could get beads yeah. strung and that was the intention that therefore I'm like, who knew? So that was that was pretty amazing just thinking about that. And also in your yes. workshop, you shared that you had a helper to help some of the, the, the beading. Maybe you could train, train oh, them to, to screen beads for <laughs> She's you. talking about my cats. Unfortunately, <laughs> though the cats would love to do chamber embroidery with me, they're certainly very involved. They don't have the thumbs necessary for beading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's so gorgeous. Oh, though. They yeah. must absolutely love yeah. it when you sit down they're, and do a little bit. They're very, yeah. they're very good at yeah. that. Um, and I trained Theo. I've got two of them now, so I've got kitten at the moment. Um, Theo very young to not bother the beads while they were in my lap and he or while he's in my lap um, so he'll hang out for hours and that's like really lovely and a, a really nice time um, Stella the kitten is still a little bit interested in chasing the shiny things so we're working but we'll get there yeah. it'll be fine they both really like to be in the lap <laughs> which is the, the incentive if they if they don't if they don't behave they don't get to be in the lap that's how that works <laughs> Fair enough then too. And they probably don't squirm too much because I'd imagine the two cats on your lap no, doesn't leave I very much room for... with both of them on my lap, but um, we'll see. I don't know. Oh, they have to be a little happy with being partially on top of each other for that to work. Uh, well, I just think it's absolutely gorgeous. And Kat, I'm very um, mindful of your time, so we should wrap this up soon. But I do have one question, one further question, and that is, say for example, someone is itching to try this exper experience at home and they may not have um, the particular needles required and fabric required. Do you, is there any kind of like go-to that you could say you could practice the technique whilst waiting for the special needle and fabric to arrive? Probably of idea. No, like not you really. can't, unfortunately. I hate, I, the other thing I really dislike as a person who enjoys trying new skills and like encourage, like this whole thing about encouraging people to try stuff. I don't like saying you have to have the special tools to do the thing, right? Um, it's annoying. But in, mm. in that you have to have a sewing machine if you wish to sew. Uh, well, I mean, and you can sew by hand, right? So there's ways around that as well. Um, there isn't really a way mm. around, you, you have to have the timbre embroidery tool to do timbre embroidery. Um, if you're sitting there thinking, I want to be as best as this, as, as good at this as I can, like the day the tool arrives, um, one of the practices that I talk about in my YouTube video is um, practicing the way you hold the tool without making any stitches. So we start by holding it like a pencil, like you're supposed to hold a pencil. I know not everybody holds a pencil mm -hmm. like this. You start like you're holding a pencil and we're going to keep this arm is going to be perpendicular to the fabric and you'll have something to rest it on if you're like working at a table or whatever. So don't worry about holding it as high up as I'm holding it right now, mm -hmm. but like keeping it perpendicular or sorry, keeping your arm parallel to the fabric. And then from this hold with your tool, you're going to go for vertical. 
so perpendicular to the fabric, right? And then the motion that you're going to be doing with tambour embroidery is like this little twist between your fingers, like that. So you can with a pencil, right? There's an up and down and a, there's other stuff, right? But you can't, this is the bit that's kind of hard to master for people with other things happening at the same time. So if you want yeah. to practice before yeah. your tool arrives, you can practice rolling a pencil between your fingers like that. Um, it's a little, like I see you practicing there. Try to keep the tool as upright through the roll possible. You don't want really it to uh, waggle. Uh, right? okay, don't, don't um, you can practice that if you'd like. The other thing, um, and if you guys saw, there's a recent reel that I did with large scale tambour embroidery. Um, I used pony beads and sports mesh that I got from, it was actually, it was, I deconstructed a drawstring bag for that fabric. Like that was, that's, it was silly. Um, and a crochet hook. Um, you can try it large scale like that if you'd really like to. Um, the only issue, I'll have a crochet hook as well. Hang on, I'll show you. The issue with the crochet mm -hmm. hook is that they have these little flat bits right here where you want, where you want to hold it. And if you try to roll that, you're going to run into problems yeah. being able to, so you have to either roll it below, yeah. right, or above that little flat bit, or put a grip on it or something mm. like that. Um, this is still very different mm. from doing it at the actual size. Um, but if you, a... I would, I would probably only go the crochet hook and sports mesh. I'm also assuming in your example that the person wanting to practice probably doesn't have the crochet hook, the sports mesh, and the pony beads sitting around their house either. Um, I wouldn't go out and buy these things specifically for wanting to practice because it's different enough. But if you saw that example with the pony beads and you were like, man, I really want to, you know, do embroidery with like large scale with pony beads, then yeah, go for it. Absolutely. It's very much the same or similar. I suppose. Does that answer your question? That's, that's a really good It really does. Yeah. Yes. I mean, my goodness, yeah. just doing <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. Sit around twiddling, twiddling pencils. That's really helpful too. And just kind of getting that kind of idea and also talking about how mm -hmm. um, the crochet hook, whilst it's a yeah. good substitute, isn't great because of the flat area and stuff like that. And I completely um, agree with you and know where you're coming from when you say you don't like to specify using yeah. special things so because there's really special, need special you know, things but sometimes right? like you can get away with yeah. you can get away with so much yeah. but yeah sometimes sometimes it's impossible yeah. yeah 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 sometimes it's impossible and sometimes you just get a better result if you buy the yeah. right thing for the right um purpose but yes yeah so <laughs> i i understand where you're coming from with that Oh, well, before we wrap yes. up, I just would like to say thank you so much for being part of the Making Zen Retreat. It's super delightful. I know there's going to be so many people out there. I think I think probably the internet's going to break down because everyone's going to try and buy these tambour. I hope so. We've already got questions coming in. It's like, where can I get this and all that kind of stuff. So it's been really helpful that you've shared yeah. that it, Etsy is a great place mm -hmm. to, to go for that um that's really helpful for guiding that and i also wanted to compliment you on your sweater <laughs> as we well. i'm wearing double knits today i've got a tank top on as well that's knit absolutely gorgeous so um it's an absolute pleasure to chat with you thank you so much for your time today um 
people if you haven't signed up already pop over to Kat's Instagram you've got links where people can sign up for the retreat and um, you can also check out the tambour yeah. in the big scale if you haven't yet um, discovered that reel yet because that mm -hmm. really does kind of help break it down and make it easy to understand <laughs> cool. too yeah yeah well much love to you and um i can't wait to see what happens next Find next wednesday when the, the world yeah, that's right <laughs> one more week just <laughs> oh here Wait, we go we got I'm, a little we got a little visitor I'm super she's excited. come to say hello there's stella no she hasn't actually come to say oh. hello she's come to use my lap oh. as a jumping off point to get to the desk <laughs> oh that's funny <laughs> yeah, that's right keeping an eye on you that's, that's what i do well, isn't it? yeah <laughs> Well, thank you again, Kat. It's really lovely to connect and I'm super excited um, that everyone's going to learn this amazing technique. And thank you again for, for sharing your skills. It's um, for having me. incredibly exciting. It's a pleasure. And thank you everyone for joining our conversation today and for leaving your comments and asking your questions. Pop over to Kat's Instagram so you can sign up, follow along with what she's up to. And we'll see you all at Making Zen next week. See you. Bye-bye.